Hello, welcome to The Key with IHE. I'm Paul Fain, the podcast host and a news editor at Inside Higher Ed. Consumers increasingly are interested in short-term online alternatives to the college degree. Employers also are getting more deeply into the alternative credential space, which is expected to grow in coming years. To get some context and the latest on this complex issue, I spoke with Paul Friedman, president of the learning marketplace at Guild Education, a major player in employer-connected online learning. Friedman talked about how alternative credentials are faring in this recession compared to the last one. Everything required the bachelor's degree, but that wasn't enough. You needed to then go back to get a, a boot camp or a master's degree. You saw a push towards increasing amount of credentials. You, haven't, you definitely haven't seen that. And if anything, large employers like Google and IBM and others, even the, the, the U.S. government, are dropping um, bachelor's requirements and open to shorter term credentials that are happening in, in, in the mix of recession. I also spoke with Jane Oates, president of Working Nation and a former official at the U.S. Department of Labor during the Obama administration. Oates described how short-term alternatives to the degree could and should work. Look, I think the thing with any kind of credential is it's got to be high quality. It's got to be industry driven, like the Google credential, industry driven, and it's got to be portable. It can't just be for one region or one employer. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the conversation. Paul Friedman, good to see you. Thanks for chatting with me. Great to be here. So you've worked on the challenges of online learning for a while from a couple different angles. And we're in a moment right now where most of higher ed is somewhat online. And it looks like the consumer preference is shifting there and perhaps to skills-based short-term credentials. What are you seeing? And, and do you think from the higher ed side, there's going to be more effort to meet students with what they want there? I think there's going to have to be. Look, you know, there's been two long-term trends and then one short-term calamity. Uh, the two long-term trends are the, the demographics of higher education students changing to being more of an adult learner population. You know, the, the post-traditional student, the modern student, whatever you want to call it, is an older student more likely to be a working adult learner and more likely to need flexible learning options, you know, a lot of distance or online education. That's been happening for a long time and the trend continues. The second is the trend that the primary value of the college education is career oriented. Um, and now over 90% of people name that as number one or number two reason why they're going to go to college. That's been long-term and it continues. The short-term thing is obviously the pandemic, which has forced most institutions to go online to some degree, which has uh, increased people's experience with, uh, an institution's experience with online education. You put that all together and it means that you now have institutions that are, have more experience delivering uh, online education. You have most education consumers who've had some experience with remote or distance learning, and you have two demographic trends that suggest that um, things that are career-oriented and online are going to be more, more attractive. And that leads you towards, you know, shorter-term online programs. Um, and I think that's been a trend for a long time. I think the pandemic will accelerate the time and space under which the transition of shorter-term programs focused on jobs being a primary or majority education experience as opposed to a small subset. So, you know, there was a, a school of thought back in the olden days of March and April. Um, it hasn't been borne out by data points that I've seen, but that, you know, the online experience would be so negative for consumers, for higher ed, for faculty members, that it might set back online education. And, and I don't think that's borne out, but your take on that theory, at least being having some basis in reality? 
Um, look, there is good online education, good distance education, and there is what you do in a moment of crisis when you have to take online, uh, offline classes and throw them into a Zoom room, and they are very different experiences. And I think the people who are worried about what this would do for online education were reflecting on how, how much a delta there is between a poor online experience and a, and a rich, thoroughly built out online experience. And that's real. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of students who got an experience with online education didn't get what you can get from a top institution that really focuses on quality, but they also learned stuff. <laughs> and they also got familiar with the idea of learning in a more flexible environment. And, and so, it, you know, I think the baseline just isn't that bad. Uh, and the reality is the baseline, you know, some in-person classes are pretty bad too. And, but still people go to college where some of your professors are great and some of your professors are poor. So I just don't, never bought that that was going to be the end of the credibility of online education or everybody who had a single bad course or a single bad experience weren't going to uh, go along with it. And I think I, I, the data hasn't borne out. Um, but the reality is the pressures that I mentioned before, the demographic pressures that push towards needing more flexible learning options, the desire for the career outcome to be shorter and faster and more present in the investment experiences, that those are going to kind of push through, you know, some um, wrinkles around the, the course experience because the benefits outweigh some of the perception of, of worse quality or worse experience. One theory I just wonder what you think about here, you know, seeing the strata data that shows this growing, this this pretty large preference for skills-based credentials, short-term credentials. You know, I'm thinking if I'm mulling whether I need more education and training, the idea of biting off a multi-year degree program when you don't know what the jobs are going to be, you know, you have some skills that have value in the marketplace, some that you need, it seems like you might want to make the bet on kind of a discrete skill set and one that could be stackable versus the big enchilada. I mean, is that something that you see out there? Uh, yeah. I mean, at some level, it becomes a, a silly A-B test. If you ask somebody in a survey, would you rather spend three months getting an education to get you the same job that you can spend on average six years getting education for, which would you prefer? You know, most people are going to prefer the three months, right? And so it's not surprising that in increasing number in surveys when asked about the, the like if, if people are open to short-term uh, certificates uh, that you're, you're seeing an increase in the people who say that they would prefer that, that format. You know, the ultimate question is whether the outcome is going to be the same, right? And that's where, you know, the, the data is still, is still unclear. You know, one of the questions we've talked about over the years when discussing the potential for alternative pathways, short-term credentials uh, work tied credentials uh, was if there's a recession, do the employers walk away from this? Do they go back to the, which they're mostly still at, uh, the looking at degrees as a proxy? Doesn't seem to be happening right now, at least in your experience from Guild. Uh, But are are we there where we can say that might be wrong? Uh, we, We can see, we can say that that it's not happening like it happened in the last recession. We can say that clearly. What happened in the last recession is that you had great, you know, uh, degree inflation, right? People, a bachelor's degree started to not be enough. Everything required the bachelor's degree, but that wasn't enough. You needed to then go back to get a a boot camp or a master's degree. You saw a push towards increasing amount of credentials. You haven't, you definitely haven't seen that. And if anything, large employers like Google and IBM and others, even the the U.S. government, are dropping um, bachelor's requirements and open to shorter term credentials that are happening in, in, in the mix of recession. We've also seen that employer, and this is where, you know, uh, Guild has our own proprietary uh, data, 
But we've also seen that employer investment in sponsoring education hasn't decreased in, the, in this recession like it has in past recessions. In fact, we've seen the opposite. You know, some of our employers, you know, Walmart is an example, have publicly announced that they're increasing the eligibility for their, for their debt-free educational benefit from you know, having to work at Walmart for 90 days to the first day, um, which is a substantial increase in, in their investment in that program in the midst of, of a recession. So I think it's unclear to claim an outcome yet, but I think that it, it, what, what is clear is it hasn't gone in the direction of past recessions. I, I remain relatively confident that the traditional on-campus four-year experience, four to six-year experience will survive this crisis. You know, but I think when you look at the potential for these pathways, the, the alternative pathways, the question of tracking, right? For, for some, you can go get that four-year degree, the serendipity of liberal arts experience. For others, you know, this kind of short-term, bite-size, uh, skills-based credential. You know, what's your, what's your take on that potential critique and, and, and whether or not um, these, these credentials really can and should be stackable up to a degree? The you know cloistered four-year college experience is always designed to be a luxury good. You know that's when it was first invented, it was a luxury good. It's sort of always been a luxury good, and that's why it's so expensive. Um, and it will be, you know, it'll still be in existence. It will be as it always has been. You know, more accessible to affluent student students for a variety of reasons. And uh, the majority of of people who participate in a, in a college experience will do it differently, and they're going to start with something that gets them a job first. Now. Colleges and universities have been really good at co-opting innovations in the past. The winners right now in online education, you know, kind of aren't the startup uh, on-starts or traditional institutions that have adopted the online education model. I think the same thing will happen with sort of format certificates, which is that smart universities will figure out how to do what you describe, which is uh, create a short-term certificate as you're onboarding to your college education, but then stack them so that four years, six years later, you get something that is the same uh, kind of robustness of a traditional college education, and you've just done it through a different pathway. And that different pathway allows for uh, greater access, which is something we've been trying to achieve, but not making much success for decades. You know, before uh, logged on to Zoom today, I was reading about the latest certificates from Google. I, I you know, watched pretty closely the IT cert. Uh, just seems like a fascinating development. Finally met my first graduate of the program who bypassed a, a bachelor degree requirement, which is, you know, the, that's the thing, the, the holy grail, I think. Um, but, you know, what do you, what do you think of the potential of something like what Google is doing to truly change the marketplace? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And, and I would say that, you know, in participation with a company called Pastoring Facebook and Sana and you know, are, are doing it as well. IBM has announced, uh, you know, certain programs. There's been a lot of big branded organizations have gone this direction. And I think a lot of them have seen what you described, which is that gra people who are graduating those programs are actually getting jobs in the industry without having to go through the same four to six year experience of a, of a, bachelor's, a bachelor's degree. And if that happens, it's game changing. I think what's really interesting is Google's brand, you know, Facebook's brand, Asana's brand, um, Salesforce's brand. These organizations have uh, credibility. If they're putting their name on, an, on a program, that makes it much easier for a smaller employer who can't judge between a plethora of different micro certificates and, and badges, and whatever ha you have to, about quality. And if the Google's brand's on it, that gives them uh, credibility um, to hire the graduates. And I think that we're just starting to see it. If we start to see it at scale, it's going to be, you know, kind of a major instrument of change in the higher education landscape. 
Yeah, a couple of years ago, that idea of this kind of range of short-term credentials that nobody really knows the quality, you don't have the third-party validation, the Tower of Babel, you know, if you've got these powerful brands that, no offense to higher ed, are now as powerful as higher ed's brands who can say, hey, look, we buy this, you should too. That, that does seem like something to pay attention to. I think it's right. I think higher education institutions have had a monopoly on signal for a long time, right? The, the bachelor's degree was the universal container and everybody had to get it in order to be able to be a, get a job in a knowledge economy. But it turns out that higher education institutions aren't the only organizations that can have brands. Um, you know, Google has a brand, it really does. Uh, there are, you know, uh, certain individuals who, you know, have their own brands. And if they were sponsoring an education or, or verified an education, you could imagine uh, employers taking that seriously. It is true that, you know, as you, you know, that one thing that's great about a bachelor's degree is everybody understands what it is and what it contains and sort of has certain expectations around people who have gone through the program uh, and what it will mean in terms of their ability to operate as an employee. Uh, when you start to go to a world of tiny um, certificates with all different names and different lengths, it becomes much harder to figure that out. And that's always been the challenge around providing alternatives. Brand helps that. Um, and Google putting their name on something does make a difference because it is a source of credibility that a small, uh, if, if a small company says, hey, this person's good enough for Google to put their name on their educational program, they're good enough for me to hire them. So not too long ago, I have a very hard time with time as does everybody right now, it's a flat circle. You took your organization in Tangle Group over to Guild Education. Guild is obviously a player in this space. Can you talk a little bit about what we should be watching with Guild? You know, what are some of the partnerships that you have in place that are, that are successful and, and what's to come? Uh, yeah, that, it, was, it was either a million years or three months ago, depending on how you judge time. Guild is you know, had a really exciting progress and our excitement continues. I think one of the things that um, we've uh, announced uh, lately, uh, which continues to, to lead to very exciting de developments, is an expansion of our core platform. You know, we, we're in business because we believe that uh, education is the best pathway for economic mobility. And the way that we have been doing that historically is working with large employers, you know, Disney, Walmart, Chipotle, to uh, work with them to, to sponsor their educational programs for their employees, you know, pushing for debt-free education. We've expanded uh, that offering to, to work with employers as they um, restructure their business and you need to, you know, have, have employers, employees leave because we think there's, that there's an opportunity to provide education so that uh, employees who have to leave an organization that's being restructured find themselves in more resilient, more economically mobile job in the future so they're not facing a downsizing again. We're starting to work with em em employers to make the educational benefit um, more prevalent in their hiring process. So people actually choose to work for employers where they know that they're going to be able to get an education as part of the benefit of, of working there. And so I think one of the exciting things you're going to see from, from Guild is a expansion of the use of our, of our core platform to be helpful for employers through a longer life cycle of the employee experience. Well, we'll be watching that um, for sure. And I always appreciate the time and expertise you've shared with us uh, and the access over the years. I, I was just thinking uh, Ivy Bridge goes back pretty far now. Yeah, that was a million years ago. That's not, that's not just <laughs> COVID time. That's just a long time. Indeed. Well, I hope we can keep in touch. And thanks for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Inside Higher Ed published a special report I wrote on this topic titled On Ramps and Off Ramps alternative credentials, and emerging pathways between education and work. Visit InsideHigherEd.com backslash special reports to learn more about this report and to purchase it online. 
And now for a limited time, become a member of Inside Higher Ed and download the report for free as a special member benefit. You can learn more about our membership program at insidehighered.com backslash membership. Jane Oates, good to see you. Paul, always good to see you. I wish we were in person. Broad topic here today, looking like increased interest among potential students and Americans more broadly in short-term upskilling, uh, short-term online credentials. You know, we've all been talking for a long time about the potential for alternative credentials to really take off. And the question is, is that moment finally getting here? I think it is mainly because people are so nervous about going back to a physical campus. I mean, we've already seen uh, some of the early triers kind of fail with students not following the rules and things not being quite the way people planned them to be. But I think it's also more than that. I think that adults for a long time haven't really felt for a myriad of reasons that going back to a physical campus was in the cards for them. For some of them, you know, they went once when they were 18, they didn't, they weren't successful. And for some portion of them, they didn't make satisfactory academic progress and now they can't utilize Pell or uh, the loan program in Title IV, which I think we need to address. But for others, it just wasn't for them. And they don't have the time, they have family responsibilities, they have life responsibilities. They want something that gives them what they need for right now, quickly, so they can get back to work. Yeah, and, and obviously all students right now are, have disrupted lives, but the, the students that uh, are traditional institutions have struggled the most in serving working adults, uh, underserved communities, Latinos, black students, single parents, uh, even more struggles right now. All the data shows, you know, it's, it's just a hard time for them. So it would make sense that the shorter term programs, programs that really meet them where they are in their lives would be of more interest. Yeah, and I think that they, they're getting clear signals, maybe clear is an exaggeration, but they're getting signals that employers are coming back, but even if they're bringing them back to their same job, the job has changed over the past five months, and they may not feel that they're fully equipped to take on those changes. For others, the less lucky, their job isn't there anymore. And they're really looking for skills and ways to demonstrate that they have those skills uh, with a quick and easy way. They don't mind if it costs money. They're not all going for the free programs, but they want to leg up when employers start hiring again. You know, I've written a lot about Google's IT certificate, uh, you know, a little bit about Amazon's career choice program, but I actually talked to my first graduate of both of those programs who worked at a fulfillment center in Dallas and transitioned through with the Google program and a help from uh, Merit America to a new job and actually bypassed a bachelor's degree requirement with that Google certificate, which, you know, that's not necessarily the norm right now, but I think that's the one that really should catch traditional colleges' attention if if that pathway becomes viable. And when you have Google vouching for it and Amazon vouching for it, I think that makes a pretty big difference in consumers' minds. Do you agree? No, I think that too. And you mentioned another word when you said Merit America. You know, these intermediaries who really do a great job of wraparound services, I think the colleges need to really be careful about them because they're they're giving people what they need in terms of support. And 
for many of the colleges, that's where they've fallen short. You know, they don't want to hear, they think it's excuses when they say my car broke down. They think it's, you know, an excuse when they say my kid got sick or my kid's school isn't opening, you know, or my kid has to go to school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so I can't go to class those days. They see those as excuses instead of as real life challenges. And, you know, when you mentioned Merit America, they're an example of one of many programs that are really doing just a terrific job of listening to their students, their clients, and really giving them what they need with success as the metric, completion and success. And they're measuring success as job placement. And boy, Paul, I don't know many colleges who call job placement the metric of success. And the student, the the adult learner I spoke with about her pathway to this new job cited exactly what you said, the the student support, the, you know, the group meetings, um, the things that Merit America provided, the the soft skills, frankly, you know, as being as important as anything, as giving her confidence to do do a job search and to believe in her abilities. And, you know, I I do wonder in this era where everybody's some version of online, if colleges are going to find ways to to work more with intermediaries themselves, you know, there are some cost issues, I think, in providing student services. But I mean, the need is there. And I think most colleges acknowledge that they need to do more with helping online students, correct? Oh, I think that's right. And, you know, there are some great examples around the country. I think that Goodwill has partnered with a lot of community colleges around the country, and they've actually, you know, provided some of the support services. Although, as we know, they're partnering with Google right now with uh, digital literacy, you know, but they give and they work together. And it's no different than what we see in K-12. In great K-12s, they're working with the Boys and Girls Clubs. They're working with JAG. They're working with Citizen Schools. It's not an add-on. It's it's something that's integrated into the school. And if more community colleges, quite frankly, in a lot of our four years, could do that with an intermediary, they wouldn't have to do more. They'd be able to do better what they're already doing now and let somebody else worry about the other stuff. You know, one of the questions about the viability of short-term online credentials really taking off to me was, sure, Google Google has a scale, a brand, you know, we don't need to describe how powerful it is. But, you know, for a small employer, you know, or, or a program that, you know, is alternative that isn't a big name, the big brand is still your local regional public, the small private, very powerful. HR, you know all this, tends to look at those, those markers and those signals. Do you see that changing in any way amid this uh, incredible disruption? So look, I think the thing with any kind of credential is it's got to be high quality. It's got to be industry driven, like the Google credential, industry driven, and it's got to be portable. It can't just be for one region or one employer. So if a credential has those three components, I think it has real merit. Now, if I were running the community college world, I would encourage community colleges where they see these high quality credentials, not talking about diluting quality at all, but where they see those quality credentials, 
gosh, I'd be, come, I'd be going and getting them credited and saying, you know, you got this Google credential, come on in, you have four credits towards your associate degree. And if they did that, that would make them really stackable. Because you know, Paul, we have no idea what's going to happen in January. We don't know what employers are going to signal when they really start to get up and hum. And I don't mean to predict that that's not going to be January or it's, or it's going to be as soon as January. But whenever it happens and they start signaling, we're going to learn a lot more. And quite frankly, community colleges can't be very agile in this atmosphere. Their enrollment is down and their tuition dependent and funding is down in almost every state. So not the two ingredients you need to be innovative. So now is the time for them to think about how can we attract more people in the coming months, recognizing those short-term things they did without us. But we want you, you know, and we're going to make it so easy for you to come here, to come back when you're ready, whether it's temporary, you know, part-time, whether it's full-time, whether it's online with the community college, which is rare, but whether it's online with the community college or in person, we're going to make it so easy. You did not waste the last couple months. We're going to give you credit for what you did. Yeah, that, that raises the other really important point of, you know, portable and stackable. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to speak with you, uh, you know, there's this new ad council campaign that the White House has been working on with support from big employers and, and, and higher ed associations as well. Um, but going beyond the degree, looking beyond the four-year degree, do you, do you worry uh, if we don't have those points of entry to a degree um, particularly amid uh, the disruption that has been so much worse for, for Black and Latino families, uh, that you might end up with the kind of tracking system of, you know, you can go to a four-year degree if, if you're wealthy and, and white or, you know, much more likely to be able to. And then the other option would be these short-term online credentials um, that could, could spark a backlash that could halt progress here. Absolutely. It's one of the things that I really worry about when we talk about credentials in, instead of a two or four year degree, instead of in addition to, because many people will say college for my kid and online credentials for those people. And for those people, too often it's been underrepresented groups. In the beginning, it was women. And in more recent times, it definitely is people of color. And we need to make sure that if we're saying we're gonna respect short-term credentials, high quality, industry-driven, portable, short-term credentials. If we're going to respect them, then everybody's got to do it. And I think you're seeing, and we'll see data in the months to come, but I'm seeing a lot of, you know, in quotes, well-educated people going online and taking some of these short-term credentials to add a tool to their toolbox. A two-year and four-year degree has always meant more money over the lifetime earnings of people and better opportunities in times when uh, the recessions came or, uh, you know, there were downturns in the economy. You know, I know you've done some work with the U.S. Chamber on how to finance credentials. Can you talk a little bit about that work and how it relates to this topic? Well, it's been really exciting for Working Nation to partner with both the Chamber and the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. And the project is called Talent Finance. Because when you talk to real people, they say, I'd love to go back to school. I just can't afford it. And earlier I mentioned, you know, satisfactory academic progress, knocking a lot of people out of a lifetime of Title IV. But this is different, right? This is, these are sometimes programs that Title IV won't cover. 
if someone's listening, what does this finance project look like? It looks like business-driven alternatives to the good stuff that already exists. We're not saying don't use Pell Grants. Absolutely use Pell Grants. Don't take out Stafford loans. Absolutely, the federal loan program could be the best option for you. But it really is, is seeking to educate people on native approaches like income share agreements, like social impact bonds, like career impact bonds, because that could be the best way for you. So in other words, with a career impact bond, you know, you go right now, there's a big pilot with General Assembly and you get a, you get a decent job once you finish. You don't pay anything for that. The bond pays it. And then you pay back to the bond and other places around the country. San Diego is doing a great one with a recurring pot of money. So as you pay back, there's more money for the next person to take advantage of, of this opportunity to learn for free and then pay back once you have a job. That idea is going to, you know, interest different people. And it's not about talking them out, going to college at 18 and getting a four-year degree in four years. Absolutely. If that's what your preference is, do it. But if you're 40 and not sure what you're going to do, these ISAs or impact bonds could really be an answer for you. And we're hoping, you know, there's a lot of great employers involved in this partnership. Many of the same ones, as you mentioned, that were in the government initiative, the administration initiative, Walmart's a player in this. I mean, these employers are doing really interesting things now, and they're big employers that have lots of resources. How do we make this scalable now? so that small employers can take advantage of some of the same strategies. I, I like to tell listeners when I'm talking to folks uh, because things are changing so fast these days. So it's August 24th and there's a convention going on. Uh, the Democrats had theirs last week, the Republicans right now. If the Democrats do resume power at the White House and then maybe even in Congress, do you see big changes perhaps in, in the way that the federal government might incentivize short-term programs, whether it's through short-term Pell or something else? First of all, I think that Dr. Biden uh, has always been such an advocate for community colleges, and I can't imagine that community colleges won't play a big part in uh, whatever the whole idea is if there's a Biden administration in their education plan. But people forget that, you know, Biden, when he was in the Senate, I hate to admit I'm old enough to have worked in the Senate when he was in the Senate, but, you know, he was a big proponent of more options in anything that he did. He was very involved. He wasn't on the committee, but very involved when we did uh, the first WIA in 1998. And he was really interested in how do people get access and then how do we make sure they finish? Even in 1998, he was talking that game. So I really, you know, not to put one more thing in, but I expect great things. I think he'll, he'll really attract talented people to his administration, particularly in education, who have a lot of experience. But I think people will be surprised. I think he'll really be interested in attracting innovative thinkers. You know, he won't want to do anything to stand in the way of the current system, the traditional measures growing and flourishing. But I really think he and his administration will be very open, mainly because the need is so great. You know, when you talk about 2009, I was at the Department of Labor, uh, there were a handful of industries impacted. There, you know, I mean, it was horrible. But today, every single industry has been impacted. 
not an industry that looks the same as it did last February. So we're going to need big, bold thinking in addition to giving lots of care and attention to the traditional pathways. Well, Jane, uh, you know, you mentioned your labor department background. Always appreciate the way that you can look at the way employers and, and higher ed is working together or not working together. Um, and I definitely appreciate your perspective on these interesting times. So thanks for doing this. Oh, Paul, thank you very much. It was great. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. I'll be speaking with Deborah Santiago from Excellency in Education about some data her organization recently put out on how Latinos are faring in higher education and how the industry can better serve them. I hope you'll join us.